Hi, welcome to Bookie, which unlock big ideas from world bestsellers in audio, text, and mind map. Please download Bookie at Apple Store or Google Play with more features. Get your free mind snack now. Today we will unlock for you the book The Structure of Scientific Revolutions by Thomas S. Kuhn. Our understanding of science begins with the textbooks from our school days. In these books, the scientific world is presented as a pearl necklace composed of a series of scientific events. Each event is like a pearl on the necklace. Scientists are a group of people who contribute to collecting the empirical facts, establishing theories and methods of a particular scientific field, like a pearl master. Proponents of this view of the history of science believe that the development of science is linear and cumulative, just like climbing slowly up a stable and reliable slope. But Kuhn believed that some authoritative books including textbooks and popular science books actually mislead us. In the real history of scientific development, it is often difficult to precisely define when a scientific event occurs and who the first person is that has discovered a specific scientific event. Science does not develop through the accumulation of discoveries and inventions of famous individual scientists in the way that we imagine. This book argues that the route of scientific development appears as multiple independent development curves, showing non-linear and revolutionary features. Since its publication in 1962, this book has not only started a cognitive revolution in the philosophy of science, but has also profoundly impacted the fields of sociology, cultural anthropology, art history, and political history and further penetrated the popular culture. The author Thomas S. Kuhn presented us with the common features of scientific progress, accurately described the process of scientific development using the concept of transformations of the paradigms, and profoundly interpreted the nature of scientific revolutions. In fact, scientific revolutions do not only concern the accumulation and progression of knowledge, but also a whole set of changes in worldviews and methodologies. Therefore, the structure of scientific revolutions is publicly recognized as a watershed in the history of the philosophy of science. Thomas S. Kuhn was an American physicist and historian of science, and was considered the most influential philosopher of science after Karl Popper. After receiving his doctorate in physics in 1949, Kuhn worked at Harvard University, University of California Berkeley, Princeton University, and Massachusetts Institute of Technology. Apart from this book, Kuhn also authored books such as The Copernican Revolution, The Essential Tension, and Black Body Theory and the Quantum Discontinuity. In this bookie, we will summarize the key content of this book in three parts. First, what are the features and patterns of scientific development? Second, how does science progress? Third, what is the nature of scientific revolutions? Let's now look at the first part, what are the features and patterns of scientific development? As mentioned earlier, Kuhn believes that scientific development occurs in a leapfrogging manner rather than continuous and cumulative as many think. The reason why we misunderstand the features of scientific progress is due to the influence of textbooks. Textbooks only record the aftermath of scientific revolutions, while disguising the process that leads toward the scientific revolutions. With intentional or unintentional deletion and emphasis in textbooks, scientific development is presented as a single, steady, and continuous process. For example, 
we may think that Newtonian mechanics arose through appropriate adjustments and development of Aristotelian mechanics. And after further adjustments and development, Newtonian mechanics produced Einstein's general theory of relativity. The discipline of mechanics seems to have a clear developmental goal and route from the beginning. And other scientists just add bricks to the building along this development curve. But the reality is that Aristotelian physics, Newtonian physics, and Einsteinian physics use completely different research methods. These three theoretical systems are like three different curves. They developed independently along different curve trajectories with different life cycles. This book points out that the appearance of the latter curve sometimes seems to be born from the former, and sometimes appears to arise out of nowhere. Either way, it shows a characteristic of occurring in a leapfrogging manner with hints of being revolutionary. Kuhn argues that there are two primary drivers of scientific progress, one is what he calls normal scientific research within a paradigm, and the other is the competition between and revolution of paradigms. Both drivers are elements of scientific progress that had not been recognized before. So what exactly is a paradigm? Simply put, a paradigm is a consensus observed by scientists in the same field. You can visualize paradigms as conceptual boxes filled with universal assumptions, theories, and research methods. Scientists must have these conceptual boxes to conduct effective research. For example, the geocentric theory and heliocentric theory in astronomy were two different conceptual boxes. The conceptual box of the geocentric theory contains the concepts of epicycle and deferent. The Earth is stationary, and other celestial bodies move around the Earth. The conceptual box of the heliocentric theory contains the concepts of revolution and rotation. The Sun is stationary and immobile, while other celestial bodies including the Earth rotate around the Sun. With such conceptual boxes, it is very convenient for scientists in the same field to communicate with each other. It is also convenient for making science accessible to the public, because everyone can quickly grasp the points being made once the concepts are mentioned. Of course, paradigms do not only provide us with concepts. They mainly provide us with core theories, judgments, and assumptions. By providing these core theories, paradigms have the first huge advantage, they allow scientists to avoid endless directional debate. Before Kuhn's paradigm view was introduced, scientific research methods exhibited a sense of triviality, and everyone would dispute endlessly within a school of thought. Due to the lack of consensus in some core theories, such arguments were often very inefficient, wasting scientists' precious time. Such sense of triviality was especially rife when falsification was popular within the scientific community before Kuhn published this book. Supporters of falsification believed that to disprove a theory, the only thing needed was a counterinstance, namely a case that contradicts the theory. With a counterinstance, one can prove that the other's theory is wrong, and thus this theory should be abandoned. For example, in order to provide a counterinstance for the heliocentric theory, one might calculate the planet's orbits according to this theory and find that Uranus is an exception, its orbit exhibits apparent deviations that does not match the theorized orbit. Therefore, based on the falsification system, the heliocentric theory is wrong, and this theory should be abandoned. This was the reason Kuhn thought such kind of research was too trivial. He believed that even if the so-called counterinstance was provided, 
such as the case of Uranus orbit, we cannot hastily falsify the heliocentric theory. We must consider the possibilities that the counterinstance was a result of unknown factors, such as the use of observation equipment that was not accurate enough, or anything that could interfere with the orbit of Uranus. In short, if counterinstances could determine the validity of scientific theories, scientific research would fall into a lot of unnecessary arguments and repetitions. Ultimately, it would halt scientific progress. The second advantage of using paradigms is that it allows scientists to focus on the details. Scientists do not have to doubt the direction of their research all day long or engage in idle theorizing. They could concentrate on the more precise, profound, and painstaking specific research work. Once the paradigms are established, there is a guiding direction for gathering evidence and clarifying theories, so that scientific research could move forward more quickly. Let's take the example of the deviation of Uranus orbit again. Later on, after further calculations, scientists suspected that there was another planet near Uranus that interfered with its orbit. Using high-resolution astronomical telescopes, they finally found the planet Neptune. From here, we can see that the existence of paradigms encourages scientists to not easily give up once they are presented with a counterinstance, nor would they easily doubt whether the research direction is wrong. In this case, by continuing their research within the heliocentric paradigm, they eventually discovered Neptune. The third advantage of using paradigms is that it allows different schools in scientific research to develop in parallel, and each school forms its own developmental curve. Whether it was geocentric or heliocentric, it could attract a group of scientists who accept the paradigm to carry out specific research work. Ultimately, scientific progress is made no matter what school and the paradigm it represents succeed. In addition, diversity also endows scientific development with greater adaptability and survivability. It's a bit like different political parties, each party could have their philosophy, attract their audience, develop independently, and compete with each other. They could firmly believe in their ideas, make discoveries, and solve problems. This is the positive power that paradigms brought to scientists. Alright, let's summarize the main content of part 1. Many believe that science progresses in a continuous and cumulative manner mainly because textbooks only record the outcomes of scientific revolutions and ignore the historical details of many scientific discoveries. But Kuhn's paradigm theory tells us that scientific progress is not made in this way. Rather, it occurs in a leapfrogging manner. Each theory and school of knowledge has its own set of conceptual box or paradigm which uses its core theories to describe and predict some laws. These conceptual boxes or paradigms guide the direction of scientific research and allow scientists to focus on the detailed specific aspect of science, instead of having endless directional debates. Different paradigms may develop in parallel along their own developmental curves. Today we are just sharing limited content. To unlock more key insights of world-class bestseller please download our app. Just search for B-O-O-K-E-Y at Apple Store or Google Play. Get your free mind snack now.